Hi, hello, welcome back to DVD Brains and Baggage. This is episode seven, and we will be unpacking consent. I have two of the brains behind Campus Survivors, an account that essentially uh, documents and exposes sexual assault cases of sexual assault on campus. Um, people can anonym, anonymously submit their stories and they post it on this account for awareness. Um, I think it's a really great, really dope account. I've been following it since I feel like May or June or something. I can't remember, but I remember when I saw it pop up on my TL, I was like, this is hella dope because they essentially, it's good for one thing for campus safety because you're aware of all the things that happen because sexual assault is very much underreported and people don't really get prosecuted for that anyways, especially on a college campus basis. And also it just kind of is a space for like healing and affirmation and validation, which I really appreciate. So I have Prisha Sujan Kumar and Yashika Kataria, um, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Um, hi, so I'm Prisha. I am a junior studying at Boston University, and I am one of the three co-founders of Campus Survivors. Um, our like general goal is just to give like survivors a platform to feel validated and safe. And I'm so happy to be on this podcast today. Hi, I'm Yashi. I'm a sophomore studying at Boston University. Um, I'm a first-generation college student and an international student. Um, I'm also one of the co-founders of Campus Survivors. We're super excited to be here. Thank you so much for having us, first of all. Um, I also work with nonprofits that support international students when I'm not working on Campus Survivors. Dope. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on because by the time this episode comes out, the episode unpacking the big O will be out. So I, I, I kind of like this sex positive series that we got going on. Um, but essentially my first question is, why did you start Campus Survivors? Like how did this come about? How did you even pick a name? Like just all of that. I kind of want to know what got you started with this. Okay, so an account called BU Gigs, which is a Boston mm. University centric account um, began publishing stories of sexual assault and they got overwhelmed with the process and they asked like just the BU community um, if anyone wanted to take over and like make an account regarding sexual assault and um, just another safe safe space for survivors that wasn't it like also included with other like requests that they get. Um, so I founded the account but like literally within like the same day Yashi and two other girls who also helped found the account um, DM'd me and we all just created the account. Um, mm. The original name was like BU Fighters or something. I think Yashi mm. was the one who came up with Campus Survivors, right? Yeah, and then we changed our handles. Well, there is an underscore instead of a period, which I feel like is insignificant, but still. <laughs> No, that makes a big difference, actually. I really do like the period in between. That sounds that sounds so strange, but yeah. No, no I get that. I, I also like don't like it looks cleaner. for some reason. Yeah. It does. That's really what it is, because I'm thinking of your account with an underscore instead of a period, and I'm just kind of like, eh, I, don't, I don't really feel it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it makes like, me like, physically yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> That's so fair. 
kind of brings me to my other question is like, what are some challenges you face in running an account like this? So one of them is definitely what you mentioned with pictures. Sometimes in the stories that are submitted to our account, they'll mention the name and like the full name of the person and their university. And although we would, you know, love to kind of make this knowledge (laughs) known, we have to think about in general, like we don't want to risk, you know, this platform that has been created and is known for supporting survivors, for giving them a Mm -hmm. voice, for making them feel heard and validated um, because of one person's name. So that's kind of a challenge we've had to work around. We had to like black out their names when submitting stories. But I think a bigger challenge than that, because that's just as simple as Mm -hmm. like cropping a name out, is when, you know, sometimes there will be people who will actively be against this account and not with like constructive criticism but rather than Mm. well I'm I know this group and this group is like amazing and you're basically spreading false information by saying that there's you know someone in this group who assaulted someone else like I know all these people they're my friends and there's no way anyone would do something like that so this Mm. survivor story is false and I think for us since we aren't the people who are you know, whose stories these are, um, it's easier for us to sort of just look at it from that standpoint and say that person's wrong. But I just sort of think about how the survivor whose story it is when reading those comments, like feels because they're essentially being told that their experience is invalid, which is never, Mm. ever the goal. No, I completely hear you. I think that defeats or rather shows the point, like it's disheartening that the second anyone says anything about sexual assault, no one believes them. And exactly. it, it's, it's wild that there could be 50 girls saying the same thing, but because this person knows this person, they think they can't do it. Um, and that's just actually crazy to me because it's like, did you ever affect this person? Like, were y'all ever in bed together? No, you don't know what this person is like when they're in bed with people. So it's just, that I think is very interesting. And I really do like your account because it does give people that that space because sometimes, and I guess we can go into on the legal side of things. When someone reports a sexual assault on campus, um, what really is the process? Uh, yeah, so I'm pretty familiar with the process just because like I went through it. But basically, so SARP is like the only resource mm-hmm. on campus I really trust at this point. Um, but they give you like the options and they give you counseling for free, but they basically tell you like, if you want like any punishment towards the person who assaulted you, you have to report it through digi- judicial affairs, which is like a whole other like weird, scary process. But right, you have to go through them and then they do an investigation. And now it's like Title IX changing completely because of Bessie DeVos. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, survivors actually have to go through like a weird, like mediated, like mini court process where, um, their assaulter can like question them like in person, I believe mm. like they're sitting next to each other and, um, questions oh, can be asked and they can, it's ridiculous. Like the fact that they'd make people face their own assaulter is so stupid and dumb. I like can't even. Like I, the problem when I went through it, it was so bad, but I can't imagine how much worse it is like now at all. Right. It's just like, instead of 
helping the survivor deal with the trauma, they just add on to it because you're sitting right across from the person who did this to you and you're being forced in that tiny room to be questioned and yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. The gaslighting that can happen, especially just the way like, I I mean, like everyone's going to be like on their toes about it. I don't know. It's so stupid. I, and there's nothing like we can really do about it, which is infuriating. Mm Mm-hmm. No, it I gets so frustrating at times. No, a hundred percent. I think people really have a misconception um, about certain sexual assault facts. I kind of know a lot about it peripherally because when I was in high school, I did my capstone project on sexual assault on colleges, college campuses. Oh, wow. um, so I did the legal side of it, which is why I remember all these random facts. I haven't talked about this in like <laughs> years, but... From what I recall and from what I can say is being an RA, because I do want to give resources for people who are listening. So if you attend Boston University, the resources we have on campus for sexual assault are, well, the Sexual Assault Response and Prevention Center, SARP, that number is on the back of your BUID. You can go to behavioral medicine for therapy. Um, And if you are a Black person and want a Black therapist, they don't really have any but um (laughs) dr rachel levy bell who was on the second part of unpacking the angry black woman she is completely free to talk to so definitely email her if you want someone to talk to or visit her office hours um completely confidential resources on campus so sarp is one of them there's the office of the ombuds there's marsh chapel and i guess behavioral medicine is the other one yeah yeah i think you covered all of them and if you are, as it relates to RAs, RAs are not confidential resources. We are private resources. So if you tell us anything about sexual assault, um, each RA, this is procedure, so if they don't do this, they're not doing their job. They need to tell you that they are private, not confidential, and that they will have to report up, not out. So we won't tell any other RAs, no, none of our friends will know, but we will have to tell our supervisor. And at that point, the supervisor might involve the police, so the hall director. So whatever dorm you're living in or whatever, they might call the police. Um, and that's actually something we were talking about at RA training, especially as it relates to dealing with the police now. Um, some people actually don't want the police involved. They just want someone to talk to. So if that's you, I definitely, I don't recommend necessarily going to your RA because they will have to tell somebody. If you say sexual harassment, that's different though, because that's a more of a gray line. But if you say sexual assault, that's where things kind of get more escalated for sure. Um, But I definitely recommend checking out confidential resources on your campus uh, so you can actually talk to someone. Because sometimes you just want to own that it happened to you and just- definitely move on that way um but yeah if you do decide to pursue legal action that's so 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 valid um but it doesn't always work out the way you would want it to and i say this because 90 percent of sexual assault especially in our age group of 18 to 25 is date rape usually you know the person who has done it to you like you've been in class together you've seen them at parties like and it's one of those things where People think of assault as this person jumping out from the bushes, and that's not really what it is all the time. Um, so another resource, you can take RAD, RAD for women, I have no idea. 
yeah I've had exercise <laughs> it's like a pdp but... i have no idea what it means though yeah i did it um it was quite helpful i don't know if i actually remember everything but you know <laughs> try that out but yes so all this to say this big spiel what are some misconceptions surrounding sexual assault and sexual harassment well i think one of the big things is that you mentioned that people don't realize that you know an assaulter could be the person they're working on a group project with or mm -hmm. they could be the person you know who's getting lunch with you in the cafeteria i think when the assaulter gets personal that's when people i think try to dissociate from that part of that person if that makes sense like if their friend is an assaulter they'll be like well my experience with this person has always been great i have been friends with them you know we go everywhere together there's i believe that they can't do this but i think a good rule of thumb i guess is to always believe the victim unless proof is provided other to not to believe the victim i think that's important because if you think about it the number of false rape accusations is literally minuscule it's mm -hmm. basically almost non-existent like negligible so when people say that well i don't want to believe the victim in case it's false and i'll have to mm -hmm. like break my friendship with this person i think i can i guess in some way i can see where they're coming from but i think they need to be aware that already someone who has gone through something like this is experiencing so much trauma all at once and is questioning everything they have ever thought about themselves and the people around them and yeah. they need to be supported in any and every way possible yeah of course i think a big thing that people don't get is like the false rape like claims are like the same number percentage i think of like false any other crime accusations like it's the same mm -hmm. number but no one ever is like oh did you really get like robbed like did that actually happen like it's never like the same tone and it's just like it's such a like easy thing to like validate someone who's gone through it like it's such a good step for them and just by questioning them like it, it's a ridiculous idea i guess i'm like trying to even it i can't even fathom why people do this anymore like, especially in 2020 you would think right. after like me too and then like chanel miller coming out like but nothing i don't know i'm wondering like what even is consent and why does that line necessarily get blurred for some people you know yeah no i think it's really difficult because consent for like different people is like different things like for some people like hearing that yes is like what they consider consent but also like mm -hmm. if someone's like physically like you can tell on their face they're unsure like you should ask them i think it's hard mm -hmm. for people to like go out and just ask people like before they do stuff because they think it'll like ruin the moment <laughs> or something exactly. like that yeah, that's a huge but thing. i think for a lot of people like it's a very comforting thing like to hear like those like verbal consent cues and even if you don't want verbal consent cues i think if you're in it if you're having sex with someone you should be able mm -hmm. to just like read them physically and see like oh do they want to actually do it and if you're unsure like asking them is not like it's not like it's not sexy or anything like i completely get that and in the moment it might mm -hmm. seem that way but i think it's difficult because consent is such a weird line for people especially like 
I don't know, I feel like a lot of LGBT students also feel like confused on that aspect because sex, like mm-hmm. ever since we're all young, is always like depicted as like penis and vagina instead of like what sex really is, I guess. Mm-hmm. I feel like those lines of consent are even blurrier. And I also think an important thing to remember is that even if you're in a relationship, even if you're like married or regardless of what you and your partner's like relationship status is, you need to remember that you still need their consent. I think a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, we received a few stories like this on our account where someone will say, you know, I was with my boyfriend for, you know, years and like he sexually assaulted me. And they don't even realize that it's sexual assault because they think, you know, that I was in a relationship with this person. So they're technically quote unquote, allowed to do this, you know, like no matter what, even if I'm tired or I'm, you know, I just don't want to. So I think that's also another thing to remember with consent is that it's not, you know, it's always necessary, no matter like what stage of your relationship you're in. Yeah, that's a very big point. Marital rape, for example, like just Mm -hmm. raping your partner, most likely your wife, um, was not fully illegal in all 50 states until 1993. Yeah, that's insane. Ridiculous. I also wanted to kind of touch on, I guess, someone comes to you to say they've been sexually assaulted. How do you respond to that? Because when I was doing research for that project, like in 2014, 2015, basically, people would say that when they told their friends, their friends would be like, oh, are you sure? Are you lying? Are you like sure that this happened? Like, do you need to say anything? You're going to, like, ruin his life. Like, you're going to ruin their life. Um, And these are from their close friends. Like, these are people who, like, they thought were going to listen. So someone comes to you saying they've been harassed or whatever. What is the appropriate and most supportive way to respond? Any advice? Well, I I think first not to do that. Um, (laughs) Like, if if you've been through that, you expect you know, at the end of the day, you say, like, even if the entire world doesn't believe me, even if my parents don't believe me, like, my friends have got my back, and once they turn on you, can you really trust anyone at the end of the day, you know, because you, you've, like, spent your, you know, all these years or days or, you know, you spend a lot of time with your friends, and you kind of have this, like, unspoken expectation of no matter what, you know, like, I got you, but then they don't. Um, So I think firstly, it would be if you have a doubt that your friend has like experienced this, like, don't Mm -hmm. say it. Don't, don't just be like, are you sure? Did this happen? Like, did you explicitly say no? Or, you know, I think questioning them is not the first thing that should be um, a priority to you. If your friend has been through something like this, the first thing I I think is just saying, you know, like you're supporting them, like be explicitly clear that you are there for them, no matter like what they need from you. And I think also a lot of times, you know, friends will do this with good intentions that they will say, well, let's go here and let's report it here and here. And I think Mm -hmm. it's important to, to remember that it is not your experience to recover from or to decide how you want to proceed like some sometimes Mm -hmm. a survivor does not want to report and that is their choice like you need to remember that even though they're your friend and I know it's good intentioned like it's obviously not you know 
like badly intentioned, but if your friend has just been through sexual assault, you need to make sure they know that you are there for them no matter what their choice is, whether they choose to report, whether they choose to go to court, whether they choose to just go to therapy and heal from it or, you know, whatever they do, you need to, the basis of your response should always and only be support towards them. I think Yashi said it like best. I think like a really good way to start that conversation is just being like, what do you need? Like, I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. I'm so like, I just like giving validation to someone, like, especially if you're like one of the first people they're telling is Mm -hmm. so crucial to help their healing process. And I think that just asking them what they need, because sometimes a lot of the time they don't want to report because reporting has like always statistically shown, like nothing really happens. Like it, that's just how the justice system works. Like, even like within a university or something like that, like a lot of the time nothing happens. So sometimes survivors just want someone to say like, this is real, this did happen. Like you're not like over-exaggerating, you're not like making this up. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like that support can come in just like being with them and spending time with them or like just telling, giving them like whatever support it is. And that I feel like a lot of the time this doesn't even involve like reporting, especially like going to the police. I feel like that step is so daunting. And a lot of the time, just like how it is, it doesn't even help the survivor. Yeah, I also don't think the police are the most sensitive as it comes to police to this stuff. <laughs> not at all. Definitely so not. It's not very invasive. Free. Like, I just don't get how people don't understand that. Like, think about how you would feel if your home got robbed right like you wouldn't feel safe in your home and I love how people if you say oh I don't feel comfortable sleeping in my house because this happened people are like oh yeah I get it but then someone violates like your purse and your body and the same thing is not said it's just like for me touches can really last a long time like I as I just remember, like, times where I've been, like, groped out in public. Like, even something mm-hmm. as small as that, like, it makes you not feel safe. And we, as women, honestly, and as people, but especially non-men um, or non-cisgender editors, like, we're men for the most part. Um, not to say men do not get assaulted, but, like, for the most part in a patriarchal system, um, we at least do not have the privilege of any sort of security for the most part. Um, not LGBTQ plus individuals, not women, like, it just, it's, that just is the thing. And I feel like the fact that we essentially learn how to engineer our lives around not getting assaulted and not getting kidnapped, like, leaving Mm -hmm. at a certain time, holding your keys between, you know, your fingers, not walking in certain places, like, I don't think people really get how wired it is into our lives, whereas I talk to my guy friends and they don't think of the same things. So I I literally hate that. I hate that conversation where it's like, well, I can get assaulted too. And it's like, yes, you can. And I will support you if that happens. Like I will be there for you if that occurs. And I hope it doesn't. I don't want that to happen to anybody. But you you have to be able to admit that certain groups are more vulnerable than others. Like black trans women are the most vulnerable. The most vulnerable, Mm -hmm. yeah. We can admit that. I think the perfect example of how it's wired is just now while we're on here talking about unpacking consent, you said, you know, even when I've been groped, something as small as that, like we, we refer to it as something small when right. it's not, you know, and catcalling, it's so normalized, like all of these things, all yeah. of these violations of our personal space, of our bodies, of 
you know, everything is like slowly, it's not even slowly, it's so honestly. Normal, how it's so normalized. Yeah. It's yeah, just like, like oh yeah, he cackled me. Exactly. Yeah, it's like just to think that it's so sad that like for us it's like, oh, you know, at least he didn't like like I had a therapist once say like, oh, at least your assaulter didn't like kill you. And I was like, okay, <gasps> like I was like, what do you mean? Horrifying. Like I was like, I I mean, sure, but like I no matter what, like harassment, groping, it's not okay. Like it is a violation of your own personal body. And the fact that we all like are just like, oh, you know, it at least it's not this, but I like I feel like it's just something I wish that like for us like we were taken more seriously because I Mm -hmm. don't even it's not on like anyone else but I feel like in society like men a lot of the time like cisgender like straight men especially they think Mm -hmm. like okay but like like this does happen they're like it's not me but it's like a thing that happens you know like it's not it's not me but like it's not and I'm like I don't know what and then they turn around and don't support other men who've been assaulted and they say things like well why didn't you Mm -hmm. better off why didn't you like it you know like it's ridiculous like men being assaulted like it's the way that men who aren't assaulted act is why men who are assaulted are never taken seriously like they're the reason like right like it's so gross I don't even have like other words to say about it I hate it (laughs) no I definitely do ponder the the reality that men are really their own worst enemy because like for us we actually have patriarchy that's like actively holding us back systemically but the only thing holding men back really are systems that they created because they thought masculinity was that important like What even is that? I mean, at the end of the day, what does masculinity even mean? You know, like we've established these like masculinity and femininity at the end of the day, we're just people. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just like people use these words to try to seem like the aggressor or like I'm macho or whatever. But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, regardless of who you are, if you are assaulting someone, you are not, you know, better than anyone else you're not in even though you think you're in a position of power you you're not yeah of course oh but oh okay before I say this um (laughs) because it made me think of I think I understand what I was trying to say before okay but okay emotional intelligence 101 if someone comes to you with something as sensitive as this and this is coming from your local neighborhood RA um don't touch them I know our instinct is to like give a hug or, or yeah, put a hand don't. on a shoulder, just like respect their space because in a situation like this where their space has been so egregiously violated, you don't want to, you can ask, oh, do you want a hug or like what, but don't just automatically do that. Mm-hmm. One of the best things my, our, my hall director said before, um, she she says that when you talk to someone, you can ask them, what is the best way for me to support you in this moment? And she always says that to us when we tell her things. And it's a really good way because sometimes people don't want, they don't want you to give solutions. And I feel like yes. maybe because of capitalism, I don't know, or, or, or empathy too. Like you want to be able to solve people's problems. Sometimes you cannot solve people's problems. You just have to kind of listen and be like, I totally get that this is terrible and that it shouldn't yeah. have happened. Um, but sometimes like Yashi was saying, like you, the solution isn't to say, oh, let's go downtown get a rape kit. Let's do this, that, and the third as if it's law and order. This is not law and order. Yeah. I mean, 
you can suggest these things like yeah well you know there's this that or whatever you can do but whatever you decide I'm here for you I totally understand this is a very like invasive process and I'm so sorry that it's happened right um but the number one thing is definitely listening and not touching them and I will say in RA training I think I talked about this in a previous episode I can't recall but um essentially we had to do an exercise where we listened to someone talk for like two minutes straight without saying anything and that's a really good exercise because sometimes people don't want you to say anything. They just want you to know that they want to know that you're listening. So through your body language and, and that like leaning in eye contact, you can just listen to someone actively and that's very helpful. Um, so all of these things, keep that in mind. If someone discloses their assault to you, point, this is a good segue. This is the point I was thinking of was, I don't think people claim the title of, of, of assaulter, not just because it's like objectively bad, but <laughs> because I don't think people really see what they do as sexual assault Mm -hmm. and like they don't and that's wild to me like they're like the stories on the you mish account really seem like BDSM gone wrong sometimes like that power dynamic going askew but it's just how they view sex so that's that's really interesting to me because Oh my god. I'm sorry. I'm having like a I'm thinking of these things. <laughs> no, you're, no good. you're good. I, I love like watching your like you're like connecting everything. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm just literally like, wow. Are they ever no, it makes change? Sense. Because I that, think you it, really like, have to change your mindset about sex. I think it just goes back to what we were talking about earlier about how normalized this stuff is. Like right. if if someone if a dude like gropes a girl, I don't think he'll go back and be like, Oh my god, I sexually assaulted her. You know? Right. I I think he'll just be like or if he cat calls someone, you know, they'll they won't be like this was not good because it's it's mm-hmm. so normalized and mm-hmm. we've learned to essentially change our lives around it instead of having mm-hmm. them change the way they act we've conformed to sort of try and protect ourselves as best we can like mm-hmm. like you said don't go after don't go after 7 p.m don't walk in this area of your neighborhood or whatever like we we come up with all these rules and you know check under your car Mm -hmm. before going into your car lock your car doors once you're in it like these rules that that are insane and there's so many of them and I like Mm -hmm. as I'm thinking of them and as I'm I'm talking I don't even know how we keep track of them it's just Mm -hmm. become a lifestyle at this point it's like crossing the road you don't think about it you just look both ways and then you cross and I think a lot of people who especially, you know, sister and her men, they, they don't realize the extent to which it has changed the way we function, like every minute of every day. It isn't something like when you step into a frat party, you think, no, I should be like on high alert. We're just constantly on edge, like waiting for something to happen, like preparing. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the day, what people need to realize is that no matter how much we can try and prepare ourselves, it is not our responsibility to stop assault from happening it is not our fault if it happens it is solely on the assaulter like Mm -hmm. they are the ones who should be changing their actions and somehow Mm -hmm. women because somehow we have decided that we need to mold ourselves to try and guard our personal space instead of getting them to change the fact that they don't act in a way that's respectful I, I completely agree I think it's like the way 
I think it's like it all starts with the way we talk about sex mm-hmm. I feel like has such a huge role on how like assaulters or like a lot of men especially like view their position in sex like they have like a standard they believe they have to live up to and then like that does cause like I think it's, like, enough, like, like fathers don't tell their sons, like, oh, like, you need to do these things. They just mm-hmm. say, like, they don't give, like, their sons the same type of, like, advice or just information about sex that mothers give their, or, like, people give their daughters. Like, mm-hmm. when, like, I was young, it's, like, okay, like, put your teeth in between your knuckles, like, if you ever go anywhere. Like, instead of yelling, like, you're getting, like, assaulted, like, you should say fire if you're, like, at a big event, and that'll, like, actually mm-hmm. catch people's attention, like, the amount of things we're taught just because of the role that Ooh. a lot of like submissive or like not even submissive but just like women are just like people who aren't like the aggressor have to deal with it's ridiculous like we're all like wired with this and I think if we just went telling people about sex when they're like younger and like educating them well I think it could help solve like prevent so much so many assaults because like it's mm-hmm. not that people are like born assaulters it's like their environment how they like learn about sex shapes so right. much of what happens and I think culturally as well the way sex is talked about in different cultures mm-hmm. differs like so largely like I was never even told that sex was a thing like here I am a brown person sitting here telling you that <laughs> I don't even know how I learned about sex mm-hmm. but it was I can tell you it was not from my parents and in, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm an international student, so I came to America and it's like, so normally talked about that. I was like, you know, For I, sure, I kind of, yeah. when I was doing, we were in orientation at BU and they were doing this skit for like at oh, a party where, yeah, the SARP <laughs> skit where they were at a party and they said like, this girl seems uncomfortable. What should you do? And I remember just like looking around waiting for like, yeah, I was like, <laughs> I remember so. sitting in that hall and I was waiting for, like, some brown auntie to come and, like, shoot me or, like, yell at me yeah. for, like, <laughs> learning about sex in the middle of a room full of people. And I just feel like it's such, like, the negative connotations that we continue to perpetuate even today mm-hmm. is is just not benefiting anyone except for the aggressor. Like, mm-hmm. the more comfortable you are with voicing your opinion around your body and your sexuality and who you are, the better it will be for you. But we are not given the power in certain circumstances. We are not taught that you say, you know, you're allowed to say no, because it's just like, no, you just do what you're told. And in a lot of, you know, people's families, people's cultures. And I think that's also a huge thing that needs to be considered and actively needs to be worked Mm -hmm. against. No, there are several points you brought up, um, both of you, that I want to touch on. First of all, that SARP skit, I was probably one of your orientation leaders. Fun story (laughs) time. Um, There was, I was giving my common ground story, and I speak about being Trinidadian in that story. So afterwards, this Jamaican mom comes up to me, and she was like, you're Trini, like, you're going to talk, like, we're going to have a candid conversation, essentially. And so this, she asked me if she should let her daughter get birth control before she goes to college because her family is very religious. And she was like, what should I do? And I was like, listen, you need to be able to, first of all, your daughter is a grown person and she should have access to birth control. It's her choice if she wants to take birth control, mm-hmm. not your choice for her. And that, that's so, that's very like, 
groundbreaking to explain that to <laughs> I was gonna say it's so controversial. <laughs> no, yeah, to explain that to a minority parent, honestly, and an immigrant parent. And and you could tell it was out of care and concern. Like she was just concerned that she would be encouraging her daughter to have sex. But I was like, listen, even if your daughter does have sex, you know, you don't want something bad to happen. God forbid something happens and she doesn't feel comfortable coming to you to tell you something happened. Like mm-hmm. she could be fine. Then and also, I think our sex education, even though we talk about sex a lot, the way we talk about it and what we talk about is just stupid. Like, I even think about the Motion Picture Association of America, like the people who basically approve films, right? This like mm-hmm. board of people who we don't know who they are, what their ethnicities are. I'm assuming it's a bunch of white folk, honestly. No, like, yeah, that's the age funny. of 45, <laughs> but, um, or 52, something like that. Because yeah. they Sounds don't, about right. literally, because they don't approve any films that have a focus on female pleasure. So if your film has a sex scene, it better just be a traditional missionary, like couple moans, wham, bam, thank you, man type of situation. Because if you're focusing on the woman's pleasure <laughs> or like it's non-heterosexual, they will not approve your film <laughs> like that you will get a, a non-rating for your film like it's things like that where they're policing media in that way and that's why when i watch european films like i watch this one movie i think it's 120 beats per minute and it's specifically about aids in france and and fighting for i guess awareness but also resources and things like that um this group the act up do you know who act up is mm-hmm. no it's like I've heard a, of them before. It sounds familiar. It is an international grassroots political group working to end the AIDS pandemic, and it works to improve the lives of people with AIDS through direct action, medical research, treatment, and advocacy, and working to change policies and um, legislation. So they'll do like public displays of protests, like throwing blood on people, for example, like fake blood, oh, wow. or like um, like things like that. And they'll go to high schools to encourage people to like use condoms and. Um, I think the way we talk about sex is very important because we need to be talking about, like, for me, the worst thing that can happen from sex is not necessarily pregnancy. Like, you can get HIV, you can get gonorrhea, you can get herpes, you can get many things. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And we need to be able to talk about all these forms of pleasure. Because it's so interesting that this culture is so based in sex, but it's a very particular kind of sex. Yeah. And it's very much geared to male pleasure. And if it's not geared to male pleasure, then it's just not discussed. And it's, it's, it's so interesting. The other thing I wanted to touch on was the bystander effect. Um, yeah. Because we, we talked about that a little while ago, kind of kind of touched on it. But that was something that was so shocking to me when I was doing my research. And this is like a trigger warning. I'm going to go into like a story, but not like a specific story, but like it might. So fast forward like 45 seconds if you're listening to this. But essentially... Um, and y'all tell me if y'all are okay, if you want me to stop. But yeah, the reason no this story got to me is it was, and there are so many stories like this. They would talk about parties where the assault would literally be happening on like a couch. Like there would be a girl passed out or something or like kind of basically drunk. Um, and nobody would do anything. Like everyone saw this happen, but nobody stepped in. It was just normal. And that yeah. happens so frequently. And so one thing that SARP really tries to do at BU uh, is nail home this idea of the bystander effect and how as bystanders, we can actually have a big impact. And we do, because just like humans are social creatures, 
So if it just takes one person to like step up and then more people will join them. Yeah. And, and especially people who, just like when we're talking about systems of oppression, it needs to be people who are at the top of the food chain in the situation. So if you are at a frat party and you see one of your frat brothers doing something, you need to say something because it's more effective for you to do that than for me, a woman <laughs> who is not very yeah. strong, to step in and be like, yeah, don't do that, right? Um, and there are certain mm-hmm. tactics you can definitely use, and I will talk about a few of them. But you guys give me your thoughts on, I guess, the bystander effect. How can we be better bystanders? How that impacts all the stuff. Da, da, da. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know the vibe. I think a big thing I think just people just assume like when they see something happen like someone else already did it you know like it's not that they're like Mm. inherently like ignoring it they're just like oh like I'm seeing this but like all of these other people are also seeing it like someone probably said something I don't want to do it or like someone already did this like this isn't even just in cases of like sexual assault it's even if like someone is like passed out on the street and if a bunch of people are watching they all are going to assume that 911 was called instead of someone saying okay like person in this shirt like call 911 like if someone if someone needs to in those situations like either delegate roles mm-hmm. to do or if you are I think like if you are a frat brother and you see like another frat brother assaulting someone like it is mm-hmm. most it's way easier like like you just said like for them to say something than like oh like for us to just because like they're more likely to listen to someone similar to them and mm-hmm. like it's like, if I were to be, tell someone, like, don't assault someone, like, me, five foot tall, like, brown girl, like, I don't think, like, mm-hmm. it's, like, hard for them to, like, really understand, I think. I feel like a lot of people need to get that. If you see something happening, like, you should say it, even if you think someone else, like, you should intervene in the way that's, like, safe for you and the person being, mm-hmm. I think, um, assaulted or anything I you, you need to watch for your own safety but also someone else's if you are in a position to help someone I think that's mm-hmm. on us I think Brisha said it like completely you know correctly but if it's okay with you I also want to like touch back on what you said earlier about media and like the mm-hmm. European film you're watching and I think we like just all together all of us just don't recognize the impact that media has on us like people mm-hmm. who are listening to this podcast this is media movies ads um instagram twitter at like literally like, look everything. at the chaos <laughs> <laughs> exactly and and i remember seeing this like um like these multiple pictures of ads from i think the 90s or something that were advertising like cleaning products and it would be like um your wife can like clean your kitchen or whatever like it was just Mm -hmm. completely sexist you know and I saw them and I was in shock I was like what is going on here you know like why is this a thing and I think that just shows how like we have progressed in in some ways that that you know ads aren't like that any longer or Mm -hmm. you know fewer ads like that I suppose so I think with the people who are on that board of whatever I forgot the name already but um whatever board like approves movies they have more power than we recognize that they do because they control our lens of the world. Like that is what we see that everything we consume is especially like today, you know, you're on your phone, you're on your computer, you're on your tablet, you're on whatever, and you're consuming media like constantly. So the people who approve these things have the power to control the shift in your mind of 
you know, is this is normal. This is too progressive. This is, you know, going backwards. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important point to recognize. Yes, I completely agree. I think the the thing about that movie, especially 120 beats per minute, I think is what it's called. Because <laughs> um, it's in French. So I don't <laughs> but there was a sex scene. There were many a sex scene, but like between two men. And I think that's important, even though it was uncomfy because it was like a very extended sex scene. Like it was long. I, <laughs> um, it's important to kind of, I also really like that they talked about sucking dick with a condom. That's so strange. But like, yeah, <laughs> even something like that. Like if you want to prevent STDs in general, like you should also suck, you shouldn't just suck a stranger's dick. Like you should use a condom on that too. Yeah, and there are options like... I just, I don't, that, that was so revolutionary for me because I don't know why the thought didn't pop into my head that I could ask these dudes to put a condom on before I sucked it. You know what I mean? Yep. No, that's a very minimal thing, but it's like, bro, why was, why was I not informed <laughs> that this mm -hmm. is a thing that you should be doing? <laughs> or like, I guess even with like female pleasure, like the fact that you know, some people don't know that women have, like, three holes. Like, some people just don't know. That. Yeah, there, people are just not educated on female autonomy. That's a whole other... <laughs> no, literally. And oh I, I, if you look at the statistics, as I discussed in the previous episode, 95% um, of straight men report coming every time they, like, hook up with someone. Wow, I think it's, it's like, <laughs> high... I think it's, like, high 80s, low 90s for lesbians and gay men. And then bisexual men, it's high 90s. But bisexual women, when they have straight male partners or male partners, they come 60% of the time. And the same thing for straight women. Like, everybody else right. is doing yeah. fine. And here we are at the bottom, just, like, faking it. Oh, like, Yeah, we have to fake it. Like, just so they feel better, too. It's not even, like, ugh, right. it's so frustrating. It's just ego. It, it's people's ego. And I don't want to mm -hmm. center um, not or disregard, rather, male survivors and that's another point i want to bring up i think in general we should be better at respecting people's boundaries um like i think of how women get so offended when their male partners don't want to have sex yeah and it's like he's not gay because he doesn't want to have sex with you the he same way you don't want sex yeah right right and I, I think in general that's something that we need to get better at and and that's something like even for example oh yes you made me think of this Yashi with your comment about culture like even forcing kids to hug and kiss relatives they don't want to hug and kiss mm -hmm. yes oh my god like, that is such a good point yes that's very new age of me whatever but <laughs> adults get so in their feelings if you don't want to hug them it's like bro it's not you I just don't like being touched like could you understand yeah. that but uh, they just are not they're not good at emotional intelligence sometimes. Yeah, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like if you teach your kids that from a young age that they can say no to an adult, that mm -hmm. gives them more power when they're older because you know when you're a kid your like brain is still developing and you're learning mm -hmm. all these things that that you will you know keep with you as you grow into an adult and mm -hmm. giving your kid that power or rather that voice of knowing that they are allowed to stand up for themselves is yeah huge i think it's crucial 
Yeah, especially as it relates to childhood sexual assault. I think because children as well are more likely to experience that with people who are closest to them. Mm-hmm. It's and you want to as a child you want to trust everyone you're close to so when someone who you're close with asks for a hug you're like okay I'll give it to them and it, it kind of translates to this situation too like if you don't let them feel empowered to tell people no and then that's going to translate to them not even feeling comfortable with telling you things because they're going to think that they're in the wrong for not obliging to this to this request and then also the person's going to try to gaslight them too um, and it's wild I think to give a definition of consent consent is just clear communication whether that's body language or a verbal yes knowing that your partner actually wants to be where they are is important um mm-hmm. and i kind of want to ask your advice oh the bystanders bystanders some techniques you can use to be a good bystander this is what i learned courtesy of sarf um there's the whole deflecting thing like you're at a party and you notice that someone is trying to take a drunk girl upstairs you're like Mm -hmm. hey Rebecca I actually Tom is like looking for you and he says it's serious let me take you to Tom right now (laughs) or you can tell someone else like hey I actually that's my friend but like she's like kind of heavy and she's gonna fall on her ass can you like help me move her yeah a guy to help the situation get a a strong person or someone you believe will help that power dynamic to assist and also if you want someone to like call the police this is a very i like that you brought that up Prisha. of like you in the red shirt please call the police because people are more likely to do something if you point them out and delegate Mm -hmm. them specifically um so just a couple things to keep in mind if you don't want to risk you know, your safety as well. You don't have to get involved. You can always delegate it to someone else to get involved as well too. Um, but it's important to know, because we notice when people are too drunk. Like we know when people are too drunk. For sure. And know yeah. when things are off. So being aware of that. And I wanted to touch on Greek life a bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my. Because yeah. I know a lot of the stories you get come from Greek life. Most of that you Michigan account mm-hmm. had... A lot of Greek life and especially actually black Greek life, which was interesting because we're seeing like heteronormative violence in the black community, like by black men who are supposed to support black women and don't, um, which is very interesting. Uh, so let's unpack that a little bit. What are your thoughts on like, why is Greek life such a prominent and destructive force in these areas? I think it's just like the culture of like the culture it has in where like people like already assume like this is a risk that could happen you know like people like there are facts like is known as sexual assault expected like that's like literally what they are known as and like people like it's not like they're doing anything to change it like there are Mm. and this is not I'm not saying like everyone Greek life is bad it's always like a few bad people make up like the same percentage of assaults like it's 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 like the same thing, like 90, like 7% of men are not assaulters. It's like the same 3% of men who are repeat offenders, but they seem like there's a lot of people. So like, when you think about Greek life, it's like in frats, like it's not like the entire frat is bad. But when you think of frats, like like a common frat that's been reported on our account <laughs> has been ended oh up blocking us, which was super us. interesting they we've been i've like talked to the president and he himself does not seem like 
he's very open he's saying like this is what we can do but like at the end of the day if they're a fraternity that like allows for this type of behavior or they're not Mm -hmm. doing anything actively to like dismantle that it's like and they're asking us to not speak about them anymore to like protect like a reputation like it is oh no through that (laughs) that is like literally was like what do you want me to say (laughs) i i I think it's just so difficult for these organizations like if they want to be known as like organizations that people can trust and like these parties aren't bad they need to fix so much internally because greek life a lot of the time is racist like a lot of the time is homophobic like they don't allow it's like literally like there's so many bad things and yet they want us to believe like no our problem is like since i'm like they need to change the entire culture like it can't be just like oh of course like when you go to a frat like someone can assault you like you should not go in that's weird to a situation thinking that yeah there is a chance that i like i will be a victim of a crime like you can't go into situations like that i like that phrase i like that phrase i will be a victim of a crime because that's what it is (laughs) it literally like it's ridiculous like i i'm not even against routes like i live with two sorority sisters and they're incredibly sweet Mm -hmm. and they are the nicest people i know but like these organizations like they do unintentionally like promote like this culture on campus where it's like this can happen like you should be expecting this like that's why Mm -hmm. like you should always like have someone with you like you should not be as an adult scared to go into like a social like gather like you should not be terrified but here we are like scared of frats like they're like I the fact that is known as sexual assault expected and nothing has been done is baffling to me I guess I don't even know yeah and I think uh, another thing is that you know when frats like I'm gonna go back to say you know we're open to training and whatever but at the end of the day they blocked our account and you know like you can say whatever Mm -hmm. It, it just goes back to actions speak louder than words like you're saying one thing and I think that's another thing with yeah. other frats we've had stories from they've been like yeah well we have trainings for our brothers and like whatever but mm-hmm. if your training isn't doing anything maybe think about changing it like maybe do something that actually will work and I think they make all these big statements and like they they post like a statement to the community of how we we stand against you know sexual assault mm-hmm. and we stand with survivors and blah 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 and you can say all of that sure like go ahead write me an essay but what are you doing to actually stop it and I think another part of it is you can do sexual assault training and have it have no difference because with BU um oh my god (laughs) for orientate like literally when I was admitted as a freshman there was this like online sexual assault like yeah we prevention thing yeah but who actually remembered like I don't think even I remember anything from it so I, I'm, I'm thinking like and I remember I was actively trying to remember those points because I was like this could be a situation I could find myself in it's important but my thing is like when you know you can train your frat brothers or even just generally you can train people but if you're going to stand there at a frat party and watch one of your frat brothers or someone in your friend group Mm-hmm. kind of make an advance on someone who clearly does not want that you know sort of attention yes. on them or is too you know drunk to even say that or decide that I do or don't want this sort of advance made on me and if you're just gonna not step in then you can't say like well we're training if you're not going to use your training you might as well just sit there with mm-hmm. your eyes closed you know 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's just so hard because mm-hmm. I've spoken to like administrators within BU, and every time the response is like, "Well, if you they want more training, like it's not like we can force them." I'm like, "That is exactly you can you can them. do." Like I don't, and they'll be like, "You should try talking mm-hmm. to them." And it, as a student, it's not on me to like fix an institution. That's no, that's really the team well, you know, we can't exactly force anything. Like, this isn't our position, especially with frats that are off campus. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that. But even with, like, frats on campus, with, like, organizations, like, there was a huge, for some reason, like, a very volatile discussion on our page when mm-hmm. harboring sexual predators. And when I spoke to him about that, he was like, well, they are doing training. Like, that, like that's happening. And I was trying to tell him, like, these are predators in campus student organizations that they should not be the ones trying to fix everything like we are like young students we trust an institution like we're forced to trust this institution that has so much power to just tell students like you can't do this or we will like cut your Mm. funding like they have a lot more power I just like it's so tiring when like it's us calling like different organizations and arranging for us to meet with them when we're just also see, like I'm a 20 year old college student you have things to do yeah, yeah this it's is like not your job you're not getting paid not, yeah it's like the thing it's like I'm not getting paid it's like I'm not like I'm not taking time out of my sitting. day yeah like it's like I'm not benefiting from having to sit to like apologists like going through day and day of them being like well we're not trying to do this and I'm like I it's yeah. like, I get it like yeah. they don't have a lot of control it's so frustrating I think BU as an institution has so much work that needs to be done but and it's not mm-hmm. even just BU it's across college campuses because mm-hmm. I remember when I was a tour guide this woman well I still am a tour guide but we're not giving tours anyways um so this woman <laughs> asked me this question like what are you doing about sexual assault on campus and it wasn't like you can tell from people's tones like she wasn't asking yes. it because she was concerned she was asking asking it because she was like well let's like challenge the perky tour guide and I was just like questions like that upset me because literally I told her exactly what I've been trained to tell her like about SARP etc and yeah. I was like you know this is a problem across all college campuses especially since I've done the research and I know it's across all college campuses it doesn't matter what yeah. college mm-hmm. it is it's the, it doesn't matter what country it is it's the yeah. same issue. So you trying to pull a, and, and I'm a woman, I am a black woman. So please, yes, Ms. Ms. White Lady asking me question as if I am not also a part of a very vulnerable group who will not receive any support. Like, why are you trying to ask me? Oh, it's I like, got you're you not even question. being compensate, compensated for like all right. the work you have to put in. And exactly. as like a minority, it's ridiculous. I don't know. It really is. And Yasha, you want to say something? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, as Prisha was talking about BU and their response and them saying that they can't force people or anything like that, you know, if we just look at, if we're focusing on BU because we are BU students, then if we look at BU's response to the pandemic, uh, the dean of Mm -hmm. students just sent out an email about how you can be suspended if you don't wear a mask, if you don't comply with these regulations that have been put in place. And you can, you are literally saying in an email that you will suspend students if they put others at risk which is, you know, when you're not complying with all these health requirements, you are putting other people at risk. And that is exactly what assaulters do. They are putting other people at risk. And yet the responses are different for some reason. Um, I I don't know why. I got so mad when I was talking to like Title IX director at BU. Um, 
And after like my specific assault case, I was left, I like something happened, like I had a physical response mm -hmm. and I was um, in a wheelchair for a while. And mm -hmm. I asked them if I could take online classes and they were like, yeah, that's not possible. Like with the resources at BU, but now suddenly with COVID-19, like they can suddenly fix up if it's like for every single person and not just like a specific community, they can fix up as many resources as possible. They can fix literally every single situation, but they mm -hmm. only use these resources when it benefits like the whole and not just like a minority group. It's like the amount of things they could have done to help survivors or just minority groups in general. Disabled students they, on campus, I mm -hmm. think of often because our campus is not yeah. accessible by any means. No, I literally could not get to my classes in a wheelchair because the freaking tea is in the middle of like campus. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just roll over the train tracks. But now like with COVID, they're like, oh, you can take your class at home. Like you can do whatever you need and you can still pass. And I was like unable to get any of these resources until now when it is affecting the entire population I no think it's not just you issue. i've heard so many people who were told like oh yeah like just drop the class oh yeah just oh, drop yeah. this semester yeah. and yeah. like this I, is not helping they're gonna eventually have to like that class. is not this a solution not doing anything no i i completely ridiculous. hear you um i think for greek life it's so performative because they release all these statements because they're trying to appeal to their national chapter because their mm -hmm. national chapter is ultimately mm -hmm. yes. who or national organization, whatever, is ultimately who is going to decide if they get funding, if they like remove things or whatever, if they're sanctioned, yeah. like if they, you know, and yes. it's so funny to me that literally during recruitment, because I was talking to some girls, actually during orientation, when I was an orientation ambassador, I was talking to some of my coworkers who were involved in Greek life, and they were like, yeah, for recruitment, we have to wear our hair this way and we have to wear this specific thing. And if we don't yeah. wear this, like we can get like a, a sanction or something like we can get oh, fined. Yeah. Actually, fined was the word they used. And I was like, you can get fined for not straightening your hair. That's First of all, I had an issue with that because like hair is very deeply personal to me because it's like, what does it mean <laughs> to have good hair anyways? Because um, people police black hair all the time. Mm -hmm. um, of course. Yeah. I... I was just like, you can do all of that, but y'all are not doing, y'all are paying dust to this situation. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just like, I think it's because all these institutions are one, steeped in misogyny, and two, yes. steeped in protecting misogyny. Like, I think sororities are also complicit in. Yes. 100%. Yeah. They Ooh. try to blame it all on the fraternities, I feel like, and it is just as much on them as it is on fraternities. Like, you're a girl, exactly. like, girls should support girls. Like, it's a very, I don't 100%. Like, 100%. At the, yeah, like, at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, I'm obviously not a part of Greek life, so I don't know the most about it, but I will say that sororities do have power. Like, if a frat invites you to a party and mm -hmm. you know that this frat is known for, you know, these like sexual assault experiences being very common there you can literally choose not to go and they need people to be at their parties to be known as them. yeah exactly mm -hmm. and like Don't they need to them. exactly my point so they, they need to the frats need people to you know show like oh we're popular you know like we get we have so many people at our parties you know we get girls whatever you want to call it like and at the end of the day, if you don't support that, they're, they, they need to actively make changes because it's going to be affecting them and people's perception of them. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. just saying you, just saying, like, oh, well, we're in Greek life, but we don't, 
you know, we don't support sexual, like nobody's going to say they support sexual assault. Who's going to say that? I think that is my biggest Mm -hmm. thing. No one will be like, yeah, I support like, it's obviously like no one supports sexual assault, assault but you are. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. God. It's just so frustrating at times. I want to rip my hair out. (laughs) No, you're fine. I think this is a good segue because I'm going to ask, essentially, what are some institutional changes that could happen? Um, at BU because we know what BU is lacking in support for one thing we have no therapists of color Um, for another thing sexual assault cases don't go anywhere third thing they make you get interviewed by your assaulter not good Um, so what are some things that they can do to better um, protect sexual assault survivors well I think they need to be they need to be more active in thinking about suspending student groups for some reason they keep hanging on to them and I think that is a huge thing because people, you know, when you're in a student group, let's like ignore Greek life for a second, even though it's huge. But, you know, mm-hmm. if you're in a student group, like you're, you're part of, I don't know, a book club for some reason, that's the first thing that popped <laughs> into my head. Um, but if you're in a book club, you're, you're not going to go in and be like, I'm going to prepare myself to be assaulted because that's not one of the situations. Like if you go to a frat, like Pusha mentioned earlier, you're kind of preparing mm-hmm. yourself that I could potentially be in this situation but when you go to a student group that's you kind of think like oh I'm gonna meet friends and it's gonna be like a safe space for me to talk about whatever and you join like I don't know Mm. you join a dance team or like a choir group or something you know and the truth is that this can happen in any situation in Mm -hmm. any group and BU needs to recognize not only BU just like colleges across the board need to recognize that they need to learn to actively police the groups that not only, you know, have common occurrences of these incidences, but continue to perpetuate instead of actively stand against these incidences. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I like think a big change, I think it's so hard because I understand Title IX is a federal regulation. Mm-hmm. It's not like colleges can just change it. But I think something that people don't know, like colleges can add on to it. Like they don't have to, That's, they can yeah. follow it. They can just make up rules as well. Like yeah, you have to do this. Like, for example, like Title IX does not cover study abroad students, mm-hmm. but BU can, and I think they do for surprisingly, the one thing they do, I think they do take cases in study abroad just as seriously as ones domestically. And a lot of colleges don't do that. I think there are so many things that BU could just add on to the already rules that would help like make survivors feel more comfortable. Like I don't, like they should not use the excuse of title nine is telling us to do this like i'm sorry we can't help like yes you can you are a huge institution like you can devote resources Mm. to help all of these survivors and especially when a majority of survivors are like women of color or lgbt students like you need to like they need a personalized resource i also think to lgbtq students like a lot Mm -hmm. of those resources are for like if you get like assaulted by like it's a cis woman getting assaulted by a cis man but there are a lot of cases that um are underreported just because gay men are scared or that Mm -hmm. like lesbian women are scared and I think that there's so much institutions can do like it's it gets me that's why I get so mad like BU can do way more than what they are doing but they just claim that like they can't and I'm like you are a huge school you are a private school for that matter Mm -hmm. And you are so big, you get a lot of like money. And like we pay seventy thousand dollars to go here and you can't even create resources to help us. Mm-hmm. Like it is 
ridiculous at this point. I don't even have words. No, I hear you because these cases, I'm not going to say they're predictable, but I would say they're common occurrences. Like they're common situations. Like I remember when I was going to college, my mom was like, how's your friend so-and-so? Tell him to be careful when he goes out on dates. Like some guys might pretend to be gay and then sodomize him or something. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's common. I, I've watched many a Law and Order episode on that, actually. I find that fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> very fascinating. Um, and wasn't there actually a serial killer who used to do that? Yes. I know. Yeah. I forgot who you're talking about. It's, it's not Jeffrey Dharma. Dharma. Is it Jeffrey Dharma? It's not Jeffrey Dharma. Jeffrey anyway. Dharma was, like, just, he, like, ate men. I like that. No, he ate one. people <laughs> afterwards. I don't know what he did. Yeah. But, like, no, it, that's very common. Or, like, like, having culturally competent resources is very important. For, for all yeah. types of power dynamics. Because that's what it is. It's basically varying power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, I get so mad. <laughs> it, it's really infuriating, I think. I wanted to ask, I don't know if this is too sensitive, so you don't have to answer this, but um, basically advice to survivors on their healing journey. Yeah, I think a big thing is just for them to understand, like, it is not like a linear process. I think this is for trauma of all like cases, but mm-hmm. like you don't have to be like expected like one day, like you're go- okay, you're going to therapy, like you're doing like, like you're like getting self-defense classes. Like mm-hmm. all of that like doesn't mean that like after that you immediately will be healed. Like sometimes you will like feel so bad. Like you, like it's not like a straight line. Like it can be very like up and down. And sometimes like, you will have like days where you feel amazing and then other times like you will feel like all of the progress you've made is gone but that's not it it's not like a straight line and I feel like that's a really important thing to let people know because I always thought like my healing would have to be like one like I thought like my assault happened like over a year ago now and I thought like okay like by like in like four months I'm going to be completely back to normal and that's mm-hmm. just not how it works and for some people that is how it works like you can like bounce back and for some people like you become hypersexual and for others you like can't even stand touch yeah I think a lot of people forget that like for some um survivors like instead of like leaving sex completely like to gain their control back they get hypersexual they want to have sex all the time like they need that space for them to feel safe again and I think that's like okay like your healing is not defined just by how like social media and like television depicts healing like it is something that can take years it can take weeks like it's so different I think by every case and like Mm -hmm. unfortunately like we don't know like like there people don't have enough resources for these things like for each specific case but I think if anything survivors can take away is just that your story is so so completely valid and true Mm -hmm. and it is an awful thing that happened to you and by sharing it you are not only helping yourself you are helping thousands of other individuals feel that whatever happened to them is not an exaggeration and it's not just them like making it up in their head that it is real and that you are it I, I just like you're just so strong I feel like it's so much I feel like a lot of the time we hear that from like people who aren't around our age as well but like hearing it from other people our age like other 20 year olds and like teenagers is really empowering I think just for them to know that you are not alone mm-hmm. and that there is a huge community behind you. Yeah as Prisha said I think 
patience is also like really mm -hmm. important. You need to understand. I think even just as students, um, we, you know, we're working with deadlines, we're working with assignments and stuff like that. So we we're always on a time crunch. And so like, even with healing, we expect ourselves to be, you know, okay, I'm going to be done. And then I'm going to do this, 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 and check those boxes. And then I'm going to be fine. And, you know, like Krisha said, back to normal. And I think at the end of the day, you are the only person who will fully understand what you have been through. Even if someone else has experienced assault, they will never have experienced the exact same emotions or the exact same incident as you did. So the key is, in my opinion, at least to, like, to be patient with yourself and to be understanding of what you need to do, because I think healing is different for a lot of people, like Prisha said as well, because I think therapy, yes, that's definitely an option, but it does not work for everyone. You know, yeah. a lot of times people have to change therapists. There, There's going to be difficulty Yeah, like a therapist who said, at least you didn't get killed. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So there's going to be difficulty navigating the resources you think you need to use the resources you want to use and the resources that will end up being right for you and yeah. I think like you need to have a good support system around you and I think at that that's like a time when you really know like who is who's like actually going to be there for right. you and and you need to be selfish I think you need to be extremely selfish about the the space you provide yeah. other people with like don't keep toxic people around you because you have enough going on in your head mm -hmm. to be dealing with people who are not there to do anything but support you exactly yeah, exactly honestly no I was on I'm on your account actually because I was like I wonder what they posted recently and like <laughs> I'm shook some of these stories wait like yeah they're just to read one okay this is the most recent one and this gets to the root of what we're talking about this is at bu someone said during rush they brought a girl into a room with all of the potential rushes and a brother slapped the girl's ass in front of everyone and told them that if they decide to join them then that that's the lifestyle they'll get to live and that happened a few years ago but there's still countless stories of some of their brothers being aggressive towards girls and they advertise the entitlement to sexual assault women essentially that's like a very and i'm not gonna say it's small it's terrible it's gross like that's just something that they allow to happen and so honestly read through the stories from oh wait am i not following you that's well let me tell you um i thought i was <laughs> i have bookmarked your stories so that's interesting um but anyways no um read through the posts that they have and ask yourself if any of that is acceptable because i it's so like, I just was reading one about a girl who started out consensually making out with someone, and then he pins her down and starts mocking her when she says, please stop, you're hurting me. Is that I what you're supposed to do when someone is, that's, I, I, anyways, I'm baffled. <laughs> that's why I don't read your account a lot, because I just get so, like, like, I feel nauseous. That's disgusting. Yeah, I get so, so mad every story. Yeah, I, I do the posting, and, and, like, every time I'm posting something, I'm like, why is this even a thing? And then I yeah. just share, and then my yeah, friend she will, like, she will, like, before she posts, she's like, I hate this. She's like, what is this? She's like, what what are we even doing? And then she'll post. A few days ago, too. Yeah. Like, they're well, always posted. <laughs> Always, because I have multiple. And they blocked us, yeah. the BU chapter at least. So we tagged their national account, but like 
that's my whole point is like, you can say whatever you want, but at this point, I genuinely don't care what you say. Like, I don't care if they tell me they like will support sexual assault survivors. I do not care. Like, why are you getting different drinks from the back of the bar to give exactly? You have a different bottle so you can drug girls and have sex. Mm -hmm. So, what? I like got so mad (laughs) because. the president will say like one thing but then they don't say anything on their account and a lot of the time there was like one time the president and he's a nice person i think he it i understand it's a lot as far as as we know yeah it's like he like called me on the phone when i was with my friend and he was just yelling at me and he was like i can't believe you're doing this and i was like first of all the account i can't believe you're doing this I was like, what? And he was just like, you don't understand. Like, this is so stressful for us. I'm like, you understand. That's so stressful for the people that you assaulted. Like, what? These poor survivors are, like, freaking out. Not to mention that their brothers, like, do not have any qualms about personally reaching out to us and, like, sending us weird messages. Oh, 100%. Like, that's the problem. Why y'all, y'all are, ooh, ooh, they're, like, 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 we have gotten messages that are, like, we will, we will find you and we will kill you. We know your major, whatever. Oh, my God. And they don't see a problem. Did you report? I, like, I, like, we didn't know who they were. were Anonymous. You? like DM me and like be like I know where you live on campus like this is gonna happen and I can't do anything about it because I'm like what do you want and then I tell him that I I I am wishing you so much safety please I think at this point you should send those screenshots to their headquarters though yeah I'm gonna do it I get because that's not yeah and they're like you understand the stress we're under I'm like I am getting threats like we are I'm all getting death threats. threats why y'all if literally y'all, sounds guilty to me if y'all yeah, were like, guilty you wouldn't yeah be. if you're so defensive like what are you defensive about if you did nothing wrong like I am sorry but I, Sigma, until yeah, I'm gonna, you like actually fucking change stuff like I cannot like I will tell every little freshman I know like do not go there like do not even talk to anyone there like no literally every, like they are not to be trusted in my opinion I like it's just the energy they're giving. It's like they don't understand that, like, we are all students. Like, the, running this account and, like, I'm sure, like, running, like, a pot, like, we are not, like, students are not, like, authority figures. We don't get compensation. We don't get, like, mm-hmm. free therapy from all of this. Right. Like, no, no, we don't. And sometimes <laughs> it gets so mentally draining because this is, like, what you do, what I, like, what we do every day, you know? You're just, like, and, it's and our job if, at this point. Yeah, like literally. literally. And, and if right. someone can't, like, if you can't be nice, like, why are, just at least don't be a total bleep. It's like, you like, know, bleep, like, you know? I get so mad. I That's I'm just like, so ironic. I'm going to yell at you for, for I'm going to say I'm support, I'm not, again, I'm against violence against women while also advocating for violence against women basically it's ridiculous like like there anyways that is I terrible know. so that is one of the challenges of running this account um yeah. is to, to go back to that question it's like death threats like that definitely happens you can get in more trouble for exposing sexual assaulters and actually assaulting someone mm-hmm. exactly. like that's why like the account to expose them like they're so like I wish all the time when we get names, we're all like, "Oh my god, we want to say Oh my god, we so wish. <laughs> and there's nothing we can do because we are just like, because you have to so weigh the cost benefit. Like you need yeah. to keep yeah. the account going so people can have yeah. this space and at least be aware of what organizations are on BS and mm-hmm. what are not. 
And yeah. honestly, I am so intrigued to see if there are any accounts naming any black men on campus or men of color because I feel like mm-hmm. at least in the black community black women consistently support black men even when they don't and even when they do us dirty like freaking Megan the Stallion getting shot by Tory Lanez and not saying anything because she wanted oh to protect God. them and it's this is not so... the first time she's done that like she was I talking see. on her live before with this ex-boyfriend she had who was literally like fighting her. And then when the police came, she didn't tell them anything. And then he blamed her. Like black men are the weakest link. I stop. But like it's so, I'm wondering if people would even come forward in, in this community to even say that that happened. Like that's so interesting to me. Like on campus, I have a friend who's a black woman and she was like, Yeah, it's this like my assaulter was like this black man. And like I don't even know if I can say anything because I'm scared everyone will still be like like still rally behind him and she's like sometimes I even find myself like still like kind of supporting him just because I don't want to tear down my own community but he is a predator and she was so Mm -hmm. like I can't even imagine I think it's so it's so complicated which is so heart-wrenching I think it is Uh, but to to, to go back to that question it's just really being kind to yourself and your healing journey like some days are going to be hard you went through a very traumatic thing and that is terrible I'm so sorry and you should it shouldn't have happened and it's definitely not your fault and it's it's literally nobody's fault but the aggressor honestly and it, yeah. it's not a thing that I should occur it's so hard to like stop blaming yourself I feel like survivors always blame themselves they're like yeah but you know if I didn't drink like this thing like it wouldn't if happen. I didn't go over this yeah. place if I didn't do that yeah and yeah, if I didn't so, wear that yeah it's yeah. so just heartbreaking because I completely get it like for a while I was like oh, you know what, like, I didn't make out with him, he probably thought, like, this is the next step, but you have to understand, like, you, it's your body, like, someone mm-hmm. violated the one thing that you should feel like you have complete control of, mm-hmm. it is never their own fault, and I know that's, like, so hard, like, like, I say it, and I still sometimes, like, have a difficulty believing it for myself, but I just, I think just being like like you just said like kind to yourself is a big mm-hmm. thing like knowing that you can like take time off and like like I took a gap semester just to like freaking like figure myself out and so like valid, yeah and like people always like people always like think like gap semesters or just taking a break from school is like a huge deal and it's like helped me incredibly like change mm-hmm. who I was like I was able to go to therapy more often I was able to like start eating healthier and I was able to like start like advocating for myself and I think and you're doing so much better now you, you, you yeah yeah I'm like literally act, like, right I mean here yeah. she is talking about it that's <laughs> amazing I like never thought I could talk about it and then like this summer I like wrote a letter about it I and saw. I I've never felt better about my experience like just having and seeing how I think a huge thing that like even though BU as an institution can be awful the community is incredible I think the Amazing. students for the most yeah. part are so strong it's definitely really not a wide thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah like our campus yeah. culture like no one is gonna openly condone that it really is just those and, the, like and it's the fact that these things are premeditated like they have yes. these bottles set aside to I know that story was- specifically like they know who to target they know they target freshmen to bring to these rush events so they can do that like uh it's just knowing that like that's why i think greek life gets me so mad (laughs) because it's like you say these things but like 
you have these bottles and you have these like things that you guys always do and you say it's just like the jungle know, juice the- that they mix yeah mm-hmm. i never drink jungle juice i've never done it. i've honestly never been to any of these frats and i don't plan on it um every time i've gone to a frat it's like i just like watch my friends and i'm just like wow like it is it's such a scale. Like, if anyone, hopefully, no one goes to frats at all this semester just because COVID. Oh my God, I'll be so bad. Yeah, you get to spend it. I'm a snitch on all y'all. That's actually, if yeah. you want to get revenge Literally. on any of these frats, snitch on them. Snitch. I love, snitch. I love that, like, fuck, oh, fuck, I won't cut it, mind my language. But, like, no, they, the fact that the university even is approved and they have a hotline now that, like, if you see a large gathering, you can immediately call and get them, like, amazing. Like, I love it. Like snitching, like I would never be a snitch for anything else, but like this is the semester, like snitch. Like the one time snitching is socially acceptable. <sighs> oh my no, God. literally. Like, no, you're so valid. I my last question is what are some successes mm-hmm. and your and your your triumphs and, and the things you enjoy about running this account? Well, I think the biggest success for me at least is like I met Prisha and the other co-founder. Yeah. Like we we didn't know each other before this. And, like, we, we've had, like, obviously it gets frustrating, like, a lot of times, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really nice to, you know, obviously we started off kind of, like, professional, you know, we didn't know yeah, each other that well, but now we're, my closest we're friend. Like, yeah, yeah we're, we're, like, really good friends, which just makes everything so much easier, especially when yeah. you're dealing with, you know, you read a post and, and you're, like, sharing it with all these people and then you're getting mm-hmm. backlash. And I think even the backlash has made us more, like, tight-knit as a group because we've had to like stand against it together and like figure out you know what to say in response to it and I I just like could not be more grateful for that but like other things that have like definitely happened where I'm just like oh my god is this even real like we um were like the daily free press interviewed us and Mm. they wrote an article on us view today interviewed us and they we we were included in that like weekly view email that's sent out and that was huge like we were all just freaking out like what is going on and then there was this interview with president brown um about the fall reopening plan and by bu today or was it daily food press i don't know one of them they interviewed president brown and they mentioned our account and that was also like a huge thing because they were directly like saying our name in front of you know like president brown who's like the position of power (laughs) and i think that was just like those are just a few of the like huge things that i was just super super excited about yeah i think for me like because of the account i was able to i don't know if anyone has seen this it's a documentary that i love i watch it all the time but it's called the hunting ground and it's a really good i was gonna um, mention that because they literally it just shows how premeditated and precise Mm -hmm. all these things are I was able to talk to Annie Clark from it and she was huge in helping just like organize the account and how we could like help further like publicize things and she was like she kept saying like a, the biggest way to get campuses and universities changed is like you have to try contacting the news like they don't do anything until it's their public name being changed but just being able to speak to her and like just talk to other I think like advocates is was like incredible and not to mention that like after like sometimes like when people rally like the bu biology department um those, oh my God. for example um the biology department like responded just having a platform where um students can um directly um contact and like tell um 
these various organizations mm-hmm. and these organizations actually having a like, force to acknowledge it I think has been just incredible and I think just like knowing that like freshmen like a lot of freshmen follow our account like incoming freshmen and just it's seeing good. that yeah, a lot of them sure. are like being like a lot of the message or like submit in the google form and like thank you for like sharing this I'm like a freshman coming I never would have known these things I think it's good to have a place where students can candidly talk about like things without having to like be scared of like restrictions or like someone like policing um what they're saying I think it's Mm -hmm. just good for students to be looking out for each other and I'm really happy campus survivors has given them like a big platform to do this I guess for sure I'm so glad that people can read these stories and like from word of mouth or whatever avoid certain Mm -hmm. places avoid individuals um I think that's so important and I just want to say to end off this episode that really what it comes down to for me is being a good person and like not to, well yeah rapists are bad people I'm sorry I'm just gonna say objectively because and I'm gonna say <laughs> yes. that because these men don't show an intention to change like these aggressors these perpetrators regardless of their gender and sexuality actually do not show an intention to change like they're defensive they think that they can just choke people out and mm-hmm. not care like that's not normal sexual behavior I can tell you I am very much so into a good a good choking I do enjoy that (laughs) yeah and I've I've enjoyed that many a time in my life and I've not been I've never been assaulted in that way I've not been thank goodness um so it's definitely something on them like it's something that they're doing and they need to actively change so instead of sending people death threats and like denying accusations maybe look at what you did in the situation to Mm -hmm. be like well mocking someone who's telling me no please stop is kind of like screwed like, up right yeah I think if any like <laughs> perpetrators ever want to change because I want to think that like like it's unfortunately like our justice system is like a whole other thing like it's not like right. built to rehabil- like yeah like honestly I don't even know why it's called a justice system anymore <laughs> <laughs> but I think like if anyone wants to change like if they were in a situation where like they think that like someone did say yes and they did it but they still like did something if they want to change it's on them like they don't have there's no right for them to ask like whoever they did this to like what did I do what did I do like what do you mean I did this like it's on them to reflect on like no, what's literally. happening like I hate that like they think they have the right to just go and ask people like it's on them I love like, that I you brought that up because thing. literally someone I follow um got named on one of the accounts and I can't remember if I followed them anymore I should probably unfollow them after this but anyways um basically they got named on this account mm-hmm. and they quote tweeted, they quote tweet, that's a phrase, right? Anyways, quote tweeted yeah, tweet, um, with a, an apology saying like, I didn't realize I was doing this and the other. If you want to have a conversation about what happened or what, like, that's not it. Like you're going to you ask this person to come up to you and ask you what you did when it's like, my guy, they said it's what made tr- them uncomfortable in this. Yeah. That's yeah. like Maybe putting the back. emotional burden on them. Like, and it's traumatizing. It's traumatizing. You're re traumatizing. So I hate that. Oh my God. You're so great. Literally, don't do that. We forgot to mention that, but don't, don't, it's not people's job to tell you how to not assault (laughs) them. I think we all learn the same way you don't hug people who don't want to be hugged. Same Mm -hmm. shit. Yes. So this is, I'm kind of stuck between like, because there are those areas where sometimes it's a gray area sometimes you think people were down and they were like just good good at acting and maybe they were faking it Mm -hmm. or whatever and you didn't realize 
But there's a very big difference between that and then the stories on your account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that is a marked difference. So just be a good human, and that's for anyone of any gender and sexuality. Be open to people not wanting to have sex with you, not wanting to kiss you, not wanting to cuddle with you. Like even the the, the littlest things of not even wanting to mm-hmm. hold your hand. Like that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and respecting people's boundaries. Mm-hmm. But thank you for being on this episode. Do you have any resources you would like to say before we go? It could be national resources. It could be BU resources. It could be private, whatever have you. Yeah, um, we actually have a resources link on our mm-hmm. account. So our account is at campus.survivors. And if you click the link where you would submit your story, there's also a button that says resources. And we have a document full of like resources that we've com- you know, compiled um, according to colleges in the Boston area. So we're, we started with that, but then we also have a few national resources on there. But yeah, thank you so much for having us yeah. on here. Of Always, everyone should know that like the suicide hotline, well, I will say isn't like the, the t- crisis text line is like incredible if you are in like a situation where you feel unsafe and you could be calmed down. Always, um, I for Boston University students specifically, I think SARP is the... Mm-hmm best and most safe resources I do think student health services are good but they do not have minority therapists if you are looking for that at all but I think SARP is great and always know that I mean I personally am always open as a resource if any survivors ever need anything and I think I just want I mean, yeah, I think just looking at our page, we do have a lot of resources. We're trying to get every single university in the country, which is a little difficult to compile. So, but um, yeah, so as of now, just I think like calling SARP on BU, calling the RAIN hotline, I believe, for um, immediate Mm -hmm. uh, counseling. Mm -hmm. They're also incredible. They're run by a group of incredible, incredible survivors. So, yeah. And also something I thought of while Prisha was talking is that we have had some people who DM our account and they they say like I don't want this to be posted mm-hmm. and they that's just like vent into our DMs and that's totally like if you want to do that, if you need to do that, mm-hmm. that is totally fine. You can just like we always ask whenever we get a DM, we always ask, you know, is, is this intended as a story or do you just want to DM us? Like that is always explicitly asked in every single DM, no matter when we mm-hmm. got it. And I think that's a, a good way if you want to share, you know, sometimes like you don't want to see a person, like you just want to like say something and you want to know that someone's there, but you don't want to mm-hmm. like see a face. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, so, so we'll have people messaging us and sharing their stories of assault and they'll, they'll, they just want to feel heard, which I think is completely right. normal. And we do our best to support them when they approach us with that, because that's obviously a very brave thing to do. And yeah, so if you ever need to, you know, vent then, or share yeah. something. We will do as much listen. as we can before yeah. directing you, because um, we at the end of the day, we are also students, so we're not yeah. professionally trained, but yeah we will do as much as we can to support you in like mm-hmm. every aspect of your healing journey mm-hmm. this is dope. thank you so much and like oh, I thank you oh thank as a resource you. but like i'm an ra so probably don't do that <laughs> um if you don't go to be then yeah you can hit me up uh, but <laughs> thank you for being on the episode i appreciate this this is so dope thank and you honestly, so much um, for having us this is so much fun